So I'm here with Martin Whitfoot. Martin is a painter, a gallery painter. Martin, what are some of the galleries uh, that you show in? How would you best describe yourself? So my background's in illustration, at least in so far as my training goes and stuff. But primarily now I'm, a, I'm an artist that shows in the gallery space. The galleries that I'm currently working with are, there's a, a Danish gallery called Gallery Colson that I've just started working with. But previous to that, I've worked with galleries like Jonathan Levine Gallery in New York City. And at a certain point, what started happening to, and it, this happened to a lot of other artists, the gallery scene that I was involved in, is that museums started to take note. So mm -hmm. I've shown in a few sort of bigger group shows at Virginia MoCA and the Crocker Art Museum and stuff like that. The gallery venue is primarily where I've been showing my work and selling my work through, but but it has reached more into the museum space and stuff as of late as well. You started working as an illustrator and the first major gigs you were doing were, were illustrations for snowboards. And you also were invited to, to do the album artwork for a band called Silverstein for their first album. What kind of a span of time is all that happening in? And can you just describe what that's all, what does that all look like? It was, I think during my last year of my undergrad, I was just really, interested in snowboarding in general it was the hobby that whenever i had time for it outside of school i would just do it the one thing about something like snowboarding is the element you're on the hill with always has some kind of design on it i remember thinking sometime in high school that if i ever landed any of my artwork on a snowboard i, I would have made it so towards the end of my undergrad i started sending out a portfolio but i specifically targeted snowboard companies one snowboard company called limited and lamar they're like a dual brand the art director from there reached out to me but I, I think what was funny about it was that the kind of portfolio i had sent to her was just it was a complete mess because i didn't really have a style to speak of it was just all types of experiments that we would have done during school which had us dabble in all types of different mediums and different kinds of styles and stuff so I, so when I thought about it afterwards, it was like, why did I get hired to do that? And I think it was because they saw some kind of manic versatility. For the first line of snowboards that I made for them, it was a kind of Frank Frazetta kind of barbarian theme. Right. At the same time as that, because they were releasing a season of snowboards. It's like with anything else or brand wise, but, but they'll put out a whole line of snowboards all at once for that season. And then... The next season comes around all the designs are new. Meanwhile, like the snowboard themselves might be the exact same, technically speaking, but the artwork gives it a new face. I just remember while I was doing this weirdo, like fantasy inspired barbarian series, at the same time, then they also got me to do like children's series that feature like cartoon things. So yeah, so, uh, if anything, it was an interesting introduction into making professional artwork within the commercial space, right? Because I had to work pretty closely with the direction that they were giving me and see if whatever it is that I was trying to sort of imagine for it, it that it would actually fit that kind of format. Were they giving you themes to work on or prompts? Were they like, were they art directing you in a particular direction or just being like, this is our children's line. This is our, we want a barbarian or a Frank Rosetta thing for that one. Or did you have a certain amount of freedom to come up with your own visual language? 
No, I think for those first assignments, it was pretty buttoned up. I seem to recall that they, even for the Frazetta-inspired series, they actually referenced Frazetta, that they wanted something like Conan. Oh, okay. And artwork. And then for the, the children's, that first series of children's that I made, I believe it was that they had just seen something in my portfolio in that vein, like a children's book kind of assignment. And they just pointed at that and said, let's do something like this. But what followed, and this was valuable for me to learn as far as this, this kind of first job went, but there were a lot of series of back and forth sketches and then revisions and all that kind of stuff. Because again, it had to fit a very strange format. Like snowboards are very narrow. Yeah. So there's all those kind of components that came in. So when that was all happening, it was right around that time too. I happened to be working at a snowboard shop. So it's all very cliched and ridiculous but just as a sort of side gig while i was at, at college i was there and i was working the shop with the guitarist from silverstein so just as they were putting out their first album we had looked at the snowboard work that i was doing for this this company and then he got the rest of the bandmates together and we all just met up and we came up with the first oh, wow. album cover for that so it was all sort of like insular and tied in together What's interesting from that is then that sort of rippled into many years of similar kind of gigs. I, I want to qualify this for anyone that doesn't know the band. When you did this album cover, it was really iconic. People were getting tattoos of it. It's still around, and you're way beyond that now. But that kind of took off and got a lot of exposure early on. There's really no connection stylistically between that album artwork and what I'm doing now at all. If one were to see both side by side, but didn't know the context, they would not know that there's any similarity at all. But what's interesting, I've met people even recently where it's just come up. It's just like the band's name has come up and, I was at, and I'd mentioned like, oh yeah, to their album artwork. And it's interesting to see how iconic it was just among a very specific niche genre. The kind of music that they make it's not pop in the sense that you it's not ubiquitous just with like a household kind of brand but it had quite a bit of reach within that genre so it's just interesting to see how within the trappings of memory too that people who maybe grew up listening to that band they would still remember that artwork from back then you spent about three years doing uh, these kind of projects what brought you to new york I came down for the American Illustration Party that they have every year. Mm -hmm. And I came down with a couple of friends of mine who were also from that same illustration program. And and just meeting people at that party, perusing the Chelsea Gallery scene and going to the Met and all of that, left me with the impression that if I wanted to scare myself into shape to build on whatever it is that I that I hope to become as an artist, I felt like I had go to the place where I'd be scared into that kind mm. of like the higher echelon. What was happening also in between undergrad and then coming down in 2006 for grad school was that I had discovered that there was something really appealing to me about oil painting. I had noticed that there were some galleries out on the West Coast that had started showing illustrators artwork. So I started working on a series of pieces and this was so far back that that you would instead of sending like an email or or like an internet uh, based portfolio <laughs> sent slides but there's a an open call for 
a massive group show at this gallery. This, it's this seminal gallery kind of for like pop realist lowbrow. Yeah. Uh, called La Luz de Jesus. This show is basically your entry point. Yeah. Yep. Into it, that into that world. Say in 2008 when I was graduating, I think it was this this incredibly fertile era for this. Right. Like a lot of these galleries were now starting to open their doors because because there had now been a very young president for it. And with that came exposure of this kind of work in art fairs. Like these galleries started taking part in the sort of satellite fairs in Miami Art Basel and during the Armory Show Week in, in New York and things like that. So being involved with that put my work also now in front of a wider audience that would also then include mainstream art people whether it's collectors or people in charge of magazines and things like that yeah the art fairs are a little bit democratic in that way and it seems like that's what happened through your work so let's talk about your work now like i remember when you were putting it together when we were in school and it really has evolved into one consistent body of work that i feel like has a growing perspective i feel like they're fairly political and they evolve over time i mean i, I feel like Anyone who's making honest artwork, especially let's just say when they're making honest personal artwork, I think that any artwork made like that is a, in a way, kind of self-portrait. For me, what's been important thematically is to sort of process my feelings uh, and my perspective on a more kind of collective situation that the human condition finds itself in, right? And so early, I would say was less nuanced in terms of what's going on in it, but had to do with environmental collapse. Very early paintings would have sort of these suggestions that the ecology around us is somehow being altered or destroyed or just maybe mutilated by the human presence. I, I started attempting to create these narratives where I was using both the setting, but also the protagonists in these paintings were animals and inanimate objects that I was trying to imbue with anthropomorphic presence that still suggested that we as the viewer were still there in the images, but there's no sort of human agent playing out the, the narratives on display. There's a lot more going into these things now. Anytime I sit down to, to plan and then work on a solo show, for instance, which is usually about a year's worth of work, give or take. There's generally a kind of more narrowed theme where I'm unpacking this idea of where are we at as a species with relationship to, say, nature, but sometimes that nature I speak of is actually the nature within ourselves, this clash where we're a very confused species often because we're telling ourselves a story of how things are, and by, by doing so, we're often ignoring a much bigger picture. What I have never sought to do with my work is to just create kind of decoration. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't be satisfied if my work didn't attempt to at least say something, but something I also want to stay away from is having it say something too specific. So let's talk a little bit now about some commercial and business topics. One thing that you've had is a consistent parallel to your career uh, in galleries has been working with bands. And that seems to be like the main other commercial gig that you have when you're not making either commissions or doing work for a show. 
and you've worked with uh, a number of bands now. You mentioned Silverstein. What are the other bands that you've done artwork for, collaborated with? Yeah, one that um, I've, I've done their past two albums, and I love this collaboration for many reasons, not least of which is that I really love their music, is Rival Sons. They, they were just up for a couple of Grammys, and, and they've been around for a long time, but I think they, they've um, been making music and touring for 10 years now. They're the most beautiful kind of revival of the kind of Zeppelin, Hendrix, Pink Floyd right. era of music. So with that said, that's been um, the past couple of sort of bigger album covers that I've made was for them. And that's led to a lot of things because during the time when we were working on this latest album, they were touring with the Rolling Stones. And yeah. uh, Rolling Stones are on Atlantic Records. And right. as, as that was happening, they got picked up by Atlantic. So just by virtue of working with them on both those records, but definitely this last one, just a ton of other bands have seen my work. They took that artwork and blew it up to 60, 70 feet wide as a backdrop for their whole tour. So oh, wow. they went to play, and sometimes there's massive venues, like arena. Yeah. That painting would drop behind them. That's incredible. Yeah, so yeah. I even I saw them with uh, Stone Temple Pilots at Coney Island last summer. Oh, wow. through And there, too, it was just fun to be there, and then seeing how much of a part of the show the artwork had become. Because it's there the entire way through, and they had even put in this element to the show where on the album cover itself, there's a dog. I have a dog lying in this landscape, but he's like a titan within this very kind of psychedelic, lush wilderness. So just as the show is about to begin and all the lights go down, they have the dogs growling and breathing. And you can hear oh, wow. heart pumping. And then the uh, heart pumping becomes kind of the drum beat that then leads into the first song. And then the first song begins and all of a sudden like this the curtain drops and there's a big painting there <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah so, so it's just uh like it's one of those instances where a collaboration like this kind of it just breathes a totally new bit of life into artwork so primarily you make work you show it in galleries that work sometimes ends up in other places album covers and such i've seen it on collections of poetry and, and, and books as well, and, and magazine covers. But I'm curious, do you make your entire living selling work in galleries? What's like the big picture on how, how you make this work? How you actually treat it as a job and make what you need to live on and to continue to be able to have the freedom to work the way that you do? So the majority of, of my income is from selling paintings. There's through galleries. Sometimes I get direct commissions as well. Somebody, it may well happen that if during the course of working on a show, for instance, yeah. somebody will reach out to me to see if I'd make a commission for them. But so sometimes that just ends up on the back burner until I have time to do it. But that's the majority of, of yeah. my income. Just so everyone's clear, too, on, on just the logistics of a gallery show, money and, and surviving on that. You have, I remember when you first started, you maybe had two gallery shows a year, and that seemed to eventually. Uh, amidst maybe like group shows and other things that mellowed to about one big show a year and and that's normal i would say between one and two shows a year seems like for people that are working in galleries and then and holding that as, as a full career that seems about normal and 
So you have to calibrate the price of those pieces based on a projection of what you're probably going to need to live on for X number of months into the future. You do that two times a year. So there's some, like when you're putting together a show, there are some logistics on how, how to sustain that. Right. Yep. One thing is that there's there's going to be many different components to it as well, right? For instance, a, a big consideration is to have prints available. Some people will go to very traditional modes of making them, like monotypes and engravings and things like that. And then other artists would create jiclet prints. That seems to be the majority of the the kind of that industry, and that affords people something cheaper, like for a lot of people who can't afford original paintings, which is the majority of people, I think, uh, having prints available is a great way to mm-hmm. be able to let them have something yeah. on top of which to produce a book, an art book that has done very well, but it's sort of a consistent little bit of income that's that's come in because people will just pretty regularly, just yeah. people will pick up a book. So it's it's things like that, I think, together sort of complete the picture because also in between shows, right? If you have a show once a year, in the meantime, there's got to be something happening unless you're able to save up the entirety of the, the take from one show for a whole year, which is pretty difficult because everything goes on. So just, just coming up with a way by which the artwork doesn't just, just doesn't just rely on a single sale as an object i think that's a key thing there's ways to do it but i think one just has to nurture a first of all a, a good kind of mailing list or sort of outreach so that you can at least let people know when something becomes available mm-hmm. and then developing connections and with professionals who really know what they're doing when they're handling their artwork with with regards to turning it into prints or whatnot so it's just a great resource for all of that has has obviously been other artists too. Along the way, many questions would come up, say, with what printers do we trust and who do we use for shipping and all that kind of stuff. It's been something that just turning to other artists who are dealing with the same kind of question makes it all flow well. And I've noticed that in that happening too, it's so say it's somebody who produces prints. Like we have a company out in Los Angeles that are that do a really good job plus they also take care of the back end of shipping the prints out i think a couple of artists that we know working with it's spawned into like many more artists being there because we can all like we can all basically vouch for them doing a good job there are a lot of ways by which you can sort of collaboratively you can just work with other people who ease the process especially with something like producing prints and books and things mm-hmm. So two things. From this point, where do you see your work going? Right now, there is this great sense that the gallery world is in transition for a number of reasons. Where do you see that going? Well, I have seen people who are writing and talking about like the art market rather than the art creation process, per se, yeah. and talking about how the art fair might very well not happen again and if it does i mean it might take some time for it to come to come back to some semblance of order but what's interesting is for this all happened this year there's already seemingly been quite a bit of resistance from people in general to the idea of what the art fair even came to represent 
which is right. basically it's just a lot of strange things to do with money and not so much about appreciating art mm -hmm. person. regarding this whole pandemic and economic shutdown is i suspect a lot of galleries are going to have to close some of the big galleries have ways to fund themselves to keep going but definitely for small to sort of mid-level galleries it this might spell kind of bankruptcy and disaster so what that means then for um, artists capacity to be able to show their work in a brick and mortar space could be called in question there's going to be online shows which what what does that really mean we very well could just take videos of what we're doing in our studios at that point what i've uh, heard many people get at too is just the sense that the relevance of galleries seems to be diminishing unrelated to pandemic there is a larger amount of people that are just doing direct sales it's not an argument for or against galleries because i love galleries yep. but that seemed like that was a trend that was materializing cities get expensive rents go up galleries uh, struggle people are finding avenues to use instagram and other places to just directly sell their work for a long time the, the general idea you'd have with a gallery relationship is that they're dealing with the collector and often you don't even know who the work's selling to because they want to right. keep it a, a relationship between them because otherwise what's their 50 percent that they take uh, yeah. like worth i don't know I've, I've always been uncomfortable also with the idea of there being any kind of any kind of contractual agreement where you're just in a way stuck with a gallery unless they really know what to do with your work they land you all types of other means by which you can really like just you could just have that be the one working relationship you have almost like a an illustration manager agent then that's a different story but generally i've found that especially with how things are as any artist should probably have a more kind of fluid relationship with whoever they're working with and circumstantial so you sign up for a show and you agree to only show those in that time frame at that venue but outside of that i don't think it's sustainable necessarily to close your doors to other things such as direct commission for collectors well martin uh thank you so much i think that's all the time we've got for today yeah super informative talk and thank you so much for your time yeah matt thanks so much it was a lot of fun